if you would, to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Let's go to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Of course, this year the Spirit of God has us, at least during the first part of the year. We may just go all year. You just don't know how, how the Lord may lead. But on the red letters, you know, when Jesus speaks, His words, when they hit the page, they turn red. Is that right? And, uh, of course, we spend the majority of our time in the, in the epistles, the letters to the church. But we also want to remember that Jesus had a lot to say to us. Now, of course, how many of you know he's speaking to us through the epistles? Is that right? Because he's God. And, and so we should spend the majority of our time in the epistles to the church. But if you're not watchful, you can uh, spend so much time over there that you don't spend the time that you should listening to what Jesus had to say. And so uh, the Spirit of God just directed me to spend the first part of this year, and again, we may go on longer than that, on what, uh, what Jesus had to say. So we've titled this The Red Letters. And uh, remember when he preached his first message, what was basically the first word that came out of his mouth? It starts with an R. Repent. Remember, repent and believe the gospel. And then, so we looked at his first sermon, Jesus' first message. And, of course, uh, they just about ran, well, they ran him out of town, didn't they? I mean, when he, especially when he came in there to his hometown, they didn't like what he had to say. I don't know about you, but I like to, I like to hear what Jesus has to say. And, uh, but uh, a lot of time religious people don't like to hear what he has to say, but people that really have a heart for the Heavenly Father will like to hear what he has to say. And so then we looked at some other things. We looked at what Jesus had to say about hell. And, and uh, how many of you know there is a hell, isn't there? But there's also a heaven. Amen. And so the last couple of weeks we've been looking at what Jesus has had to say about heaven. And, um, uh, you know, he, he, many of his parables, he'd start out and he'd say, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And so the reason we need to look at these is, and the reason they're relevant to us is because, uh, remember, Jesus said the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, same thing, does not come with signs to be observed. Are with visible display, but the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is within us and among us. So these parables that where he, he taught on the kingdom of heaven is like, they're relevant to us because if we're born again, if we if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then the kingdom of, of heaven, the kingdom of God is among us, it's in us. And so these these parables can teach us a lot of things. Now today what we're going to look at in Matthew thirteen is the parable of the leaven. The parable of the leaven it's one of the shortest, if not the shortest, parable Jesus ever gave, but it's profound. It's going to take me about 30 to 40 minutes to attempt to, to go through and explain it to you. But just really about one sentence, but again profound. He says in Matthew 13:33. you can also find this in Luke's account, but we'll just read it here in Matthew 13:33. Another parable he spoke to them. Remember, a parable is a is a, a story, it's a, it's a natural story illust, illustrating a spiritual truth. And in a parable, you want to look for the one central truth that Jesus is trying to get across to us. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till all was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now, of course, uh, you might ask, what is leaven? Well, the answer to that is it's yeast, which is a substance that makes dough rise. And just a little bit will spread throughout and affect the entire loaf. Any of you ladies or 
fellas that cook, you, you ever put yeast, you know, in dough and it'll cause it to rise. Now, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till all was leavened. Now, theologians, scholars, Bible scholars have two views of this parable. And so I'm going to share those with you, and then I'm going to tell you at the end which one I think is most appropriate. You can make your own decisions. First of all, there's a positive view of leaven. A positive view of leaven. And I just want to read here from my notes. Now, I want you to listen to this. Some scholars say that the bread is the world and the leaven represents the gospel of Christ. This means that the church is the leaven working inside the world and its influence spreads throughout. The kingdom of God may have small beginnings, but it will increase. Leaven, or yeast, is microscopic in size and only a little is mixed into the dough. Yet, given time, it will spread throughout the dough. And in the same way, Jesus' domain started with 12 men in Galilee. But it has spread throughout the world. The gospel makes progress. The kingdom of God exerts its influence from within, not from without. Leaven makes dough rise from within. God first changes the heart of a person... And that internal change has external manifestations. The gospel influence in a culture works the same way. Christians within a culture act as agents of change, slowly transforming that culture from within. The effect of the kingdom of God will be total and complete. Just as leaven works until the dough has completely risen, the ultimate benefit of the kingdom of God will be worldwide. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The kingdom the kingdom of God works invisibly. Its effect is evident to all. Leaven does its job slowly, secretly and silently, but no one can deny its effects on bread. The same is true of the work of grace in our hearts. The nature of yeast is to grow and to change whatever it contacts. When we accept Jesus Christ, His grace grows in our hearts and changes us from the inside out. As the gospel transforms lives, it exerts a a pervasive influence in the world at large. And so that would be a positive view of the leaven. In that, the leaven would be likened unto the gospel that You know, just started out real small with Jesus, a band of 12 men. Is that correct? And then it went from that to, what, 70? And then from that to 120 on the day of Pentecost. And then just has slowly spread and and is moving throughout the world. And the gospel spreading throughout the world. So that would be a positive view of the leaven. But the second view is a negative view of the leaven. So let me just share some things with you about that. The other way to understand this parable is that the world is spreading into the church. Now listen most carefully. That the world is spreading into the church. The description of leaven taken by a woman and hidden in the meal indicates 
a mixture of evil within the good. Now that's similar to last Sunday when we talked about the wheat and the tares. It is a picture in which the leaven symbolizes evil that penetrates God's kingdom and his church. In scripture, leaven is typically symbolic of sin. Now, when Jesus talked about the three measures of meal, you, you see, if, if, if you didn't know what that meant, then you wouldn't know what that means. So that sounds like something Yogi Berra would say, right? But when, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Is that right? Some of you are still thinking about that. But. So if you didn't know what that meant, you wouldn't know what that means. Three measures of meal. But when Jesus spoke that, the people knew what it meant. You see, three measures of meal, that goes back to the time of Abraham. Remember when the Lord appeared to him before the destruction of Sodom? And Sarah, his wife, made three measures of meal. And Abraham fellowship with the Lord over the three measures of meal. And so the three measures of meal signify man's fellowship with God. The three measures of meal signify man's fellowship with God. And the leaven when looked at in a negative sense here, uh, would then adversely affect the Christian's fellowship with God. How many of you know sin will affect your fellowship with God? Now, the leaven in the three measures of meal, the people understood that he was talking about fellowship with God. It's also interesting that Jesus warned the people of three types of leaven, three kinds of leaven. Now, let's first look at Matthew 16 and 6. Let's go there. And notice what, the, what Jesus said the three kinds of leaven were that he warned the people about. First of all, in Matthew 16, 6, Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, anytime Jesus said, take, says, Take heed and beware, we need to take heed and beware. Is that right? Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, if you want a little bit more of, of what he's talking about there, look at the 12th verse, Matthew 16:12. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the what? Of the what? Of the, of the what? The doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Well, what is doctrine? That's teaching. That's teaching. And they're teaching the doctrine, and we'll look at what the doctrine was. But doctrine is teaching. You have to be very careful and concerned about the kind of teaching that you're receiving. You need to examine the... Well, first of all, let me say this. You need to be sure you're sitting under a ministry where you're being taught and not entertained. Did you get what I just said? I mean, why, why don't we just start right there? Be sure that you're sitting under a ministry, you're going to a church where you're being taught and not entertained. I want you to think about that. One person called the United States, they said not the United States of America, but it's become the United States of entertainment. There's so much truth in that. And churches have become, a lot of them, very much the same way. And not here, here to be critical, but be sure that you're sitting under a ministry where you're being taught the Word of God and not entertained. Did you hear what I just said? But then once you've done that and you're sitting under doctrine or teaching, you need to be sure that it's not false doctrine. The only way you're going to be able to 
distinguish between right doctrine and false doctrine is you're going to have to have a working knowledge of the word of God for yourself. He said that this leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees was doctrine. And of course, since Jesus said, beware and take heed, we know that it's false doctrine. And you need to understand something else that, remember, yeast or leaven, to get the bread, for it to affect the bread or the loaf of bread, do you need a whole lot of yeast or just a little? Will a little do the job? A little bit. You need to be very watchful because the way the devil operates is he will not just throw... Now, he's a counterfeiter, is that right? He, he won't just throw a, a, a major counterfeit right up in your face. That'd be easy for everybody to recognize. He's not going to do that because you'd be able to recognize it and, and, and reject it right away. But the way the devil works is he will mix a little false... Just like a little yeast, he'll mix a little false in with the good and the truth. Is that right? Let's go back to the Garden of Eden and look at how he worked and operated on Eve. Just mixed a little, just, just, just slighted it just a little bit. Just, just, just a little bit. And it was enough to have devastating ramifications on the human race. Is that right? Just a little bit. A little, uh, I believe the Apostle Paul said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just, just a little bit. So you have to be watchful about what you're hearing. And, and I, from any pulpit, whether it's this pulpit, even the great Brother Shambach as he would preach. It wouldn't matter. Brother Hagen, Billy Graham, Joyce Meyer, it doesn't matter. You know, we need to respect these people, but we, we need to examine what it is we're being taught. Can anyone say Amen. A little false doctrine mixed in can, can, can mess you up really, 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 really bad. And so he said, Jesus said, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He said it was their doctrine, what they were teaching. You'd have to, you'd have to understand some things about that to understand what Jesus was warning about. So three types of leaven. First, the doctrine of the Pharisees. Then the doctrine of the Sadducees. And then the third one, look at Mark 8.15. Look at Mark 8.15 and then we'll delve into these just a little bit, each one of these. Mark 8.15, then he, Jesus, charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So he's already talked about that. And the leaven of who? Herod. So three, we have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herod. First, let's look at the leaven of the Pharisees. What was the leaven? What was the false doctrine? What was it about the Pharisees that Jesus warned us about? Well, he tells us in Luke 12, 1. Let's go there. He tells us specifically what it is. Luke 12, 1. Notice what he says. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is what? Which is what? Real loud. Help me out. Preach with me. What? Hypocrisy. The Pharisees were guilty of hypocrisy, which is, say, what is hypocrisy? It's saying one thing and doing another. It's saying one thing and doing another. Hypocrisy is not something that comes suddenly. It is a slow and subtle process, the same way leaven works. The Pharisees, now listen to this, the Pharisees were not people... Who had the intention of being hypocrites. 
They were exemplary in their sincere pursuit of doctrinal truth. But after a period of time, little by little, again like leaven works, they became self-righteous. They knew perfectly the letter of the law, but they missed the spirit of it. They knew perfectly the letter of the law, but they missed the spirit of it. You know, there's a difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. They knew perfectly the letter of the law, but they missed the spirit of it. They shifted away from, listen to this, they shifted away from the focus of the scriptures and relied more on traditions and popular views. Tell you what, you can get in trouble if you go by popular view. You can get in trouble if you need to take a poll before you move on something or do something. If we always try to please, if we always try to please men, if we always try to please men, we can't be servants of Christ. That's what Paul said. They shifted away, and this shifting it comes little, just like leaven works. It just doesn't happen overnight. Just you know, but over time, they shifted away from the focus of the scriptures. Well, we get in trouble when we do that. We get in trouble when we get bored sitting here listening to the Word of God being taught because it's not an entertaining type thing. We get in trouble. They shifted away from the focus of the Scriptures and relied more on traditions and popular views. We're talking about the Pharisees. Listen to this. Like the Pharisees, Christians usually start out on fire for Jesus. But little by little, many of them cool down. And they shift. So that eventually, only the outward appearance of spirituality is left. They honor Jesus with their lips, but their heart is far from Him. They preach what they do not practice. Has anybody ever done that besides me? Aren't you glad we can repent? I like what one minister said, told me years ago when I was a young boy. He said, don't ever practice what you preach, son. He said, preach what you practice and you'll never get in trouble. That's good, isn't it? I've watched so many Christians over the years. Didn't, didn't, didn't happen overnight, but little by little. Realize, say little by little. Little by little, many of them cool down. They shift like the Pharisees so that eventually only the outward appearance of spirituality is left. They honor Jesus with their lips, but their heart is far from him. They preach what they do not practice. They shift away from fervently serving Jesus and become neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm. And isn't it interesting that yeast or leaven works best in an, in an environment that is lukewarm. What is the leaven of the Pharisees? It's hypocrisy. You know as well as I do that if you'd ask most sinners 
to come to church, one of the top answers you would get is, I'm not going down to the, down there to the church. They're all a bunch of... A what? See, Jesus warned us about the doctrine of the Pharisees. You know, your life is probably going to be about the only Bible most people ever read. And people are just looking, I'm talking sinners now, are looking for Christians that are for real. They're just looking for people that are real. And hypocrisy is one of the the, the worst things of all because when sinners look at you and you're saying one thing and you're doing another, or you're going to church on Sunday and and then you're, you're, you're acting unbecomingly during the rest of the week. That, that, that will drive people so far away from the Lord. But just be real. The way we are at church, you know, the easiest, the easiest hour or hour and a half to be a Christian is when you're in church on Sunday. But it's a different thing when somebody cuts you off driving into Walmart. Is that right? Or when, or when you're standing in line in Walmart and the, and the, the clerk is going real slow. And you're in a hurry. Or your waitress hasn't brought you your refill quickly enough. Now that's a whole different thing right there. Or maybe when your spouse has done something to anger you. And you're sitting at the restaurant you get in an argument and the waitress watches that. Or whatever the case. We just need to be real Christians. I preached a message one time. Uh, and I titled it Christian Christians. How many of you know we ought to be Christian Christians? Is that right? What does that mean? We ought to be for real. That's what, that's what sinners are looking for. But see, when we fall into hi- hypocrisy, then we have yielded to the leaven of the Pharisees, which Jesus warned us about. I have just, just listened to this. St. Augustine said about hypocrisy. He was a, a, a church father, a leader. He said, listen to this. With their doctrine they build, and with their lives they destroy. Think about that. Charles Spurgeon, the great minister, said this. It is a terribly easy matter to be a minister of the gospel and a vile hypocrite at the same time. And I'll say it so that it applies to you and not just someone that stands behind the podium here. I'll say it this way. It's a terribly easy matter To be a Christian and a vile hypocrite at the same time. Has anybody ever found that out besides me? So you see we have the leaven of the Pharisees. What is it? What is it? Hypocrisy. Did Jesus warn us about that? Then he talked about the leaven of the Sadducees. The leaven of the Sadducees. Now... Jesus doesn't come right out and tell us what that is, like he did the Pharisees, but it's not hard to find. Just do a little study and you can find it. First of all, the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. And that there are no angels. There's no spirits. They did not believe in life after death. They did not believe in heaven, and I believe that's why they were sad, you see. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. 
They didn't believe. That's an old one. Sometimes the oldies are the, are, the, are the goodies. But they did not believe in a resurrection. They did not believe in angels. They did not believe in spirits. They did not believe in life after death. Nor in heaven or in hell. If you don't believe there's a resurrection, then there's not going to be a heaven or a hell. And they didn't believe in any of that. You know, many in the church, like the Sadducees, see, that was the leaven. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in, in, in life after death. They didn't. How many of you know there is a life after this one? Oh, yeah. And if you know Jesus is your Savior, it gets better after this. Far better. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it gets worse. Far worse. But you see, the Sadducees didn't believe in any of this. And many in the church, like the Sadducees, do not believe in the supernatural. Many say that the supernatural has ceased and passed away. Many say that God doesn't heal anymore. But I'm here today to tell you that he's still in a healing business. You've come too late to tell me that God's not in the healing business. We've seen too many people heal. Literally, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people healed over the last 20 years in this ministry. that have been healed of every kind of thing you can imagine. Now, I can't heal anybody. Somebody say amen. But the power of God is still available and heals people. The Sadducees wouldn't believe in any of that. You see, they represented dead religion. See, Christianity, a religion has been made out of it, but, and that's sad. You see, Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship with a living Savior. But you know as well as I do, many in the church world, they'll tell you everything's passed away. They'll tell you the baptism in the Holy Spirit has passed away. Healing's passed away. This has passed away. That's passed away. Everything's passed away. To the point where it's just dead and boring and everything's dead as a doornail. And why would you want to come to a church like that? But it's so easy to become that way if you're not aware of the leaven of the Sadducees. You see, many in the church, like the Sadducees, do not believe in a resurrection. I do believe in a resurrection. I said, I believe in a resurrection. I believe in the rapture of the church where the Lord, doesn't the Bible say the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be changed in a moment, twinkling and eye, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. I might get, get to preach on me here just a little bit. Say the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. With the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be changed and caught up to meet them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Glory to God. That's exciting. Amen. Say, when's that going to happen? Well, the Lord's getting ready to come back. He could come back any time. Amen. But the resurrection, there's a resurrection. The Bible's clear on the resurrection. But you see, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in that. They didn't believe in any of that. And many in the church, like the Sadducees, do not believe 
in a devil are in a literal eternal hell. And that's very dangerous. You see, they didn't believe in a devil. Because you see, the devil is a spirit being. They didn't believe that there were any spirit beings. They didn't believe in a devil. They didn't believe in a literal hell. Many in the church world today do not believe in a literal hell. Many preachers stand behind pulpits. And this isn't anything that's new. It's just been going on for years. But will stand and tell their congregations that they don't believe in in a hell. But there is a hell. There is a devil. Jesus believed in a hell. He warned of it. He actually warned more about hell than he and taught more about the, the horrors of hell than he did the blessedness of heaven. I have some quotes on the devil and hell. Just listen to this. Charles Baudelaire, that's how you say his name, knows what he said. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. Billy Graham, you've heard of him, he said this, I am conscious of the fact that the subject of hell is not a very pleasant one. It is very unpopular, controversial, and misunderstood. As a minister, I must deal with it. I cannot ignore it. And C.S. Lewis said this, There is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than the doctrine of hell, if it lay in my power. But it has the full support of Scripture and especially of our Lord's own words. So let us be cautious of the leaven of the Sadducees. Finally, the leaven of Herod. What is the leaven of Herod? Well, Jesus called him a fox, which was to imply that he was sly and cunning. But much we could say about Herod, but there's two things that I want to bring out to you concerning the leaven of Herod and something we need as Christians to be watchful of. First of all, Herod was very materialistic. He sought for power and greatness through the power of material things. And you know so many in the church do the same. Now, I believe in the blessing of God. I believe in financial blessing. I really, 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 really do. But I think that when we stand as ministers and we talk more about our financial blessing than we do about Jesus, there's something wrong. Did you hear what I just said? Not here to be critical, but you know, sometimes you'll have ministers, they'll talk about their cars and their jets and their this and their that. But you know, Jesus, as he traveled throughout Galilee, I can't ever find where he where he stood in in the pulpit and talked about his transportation methods. Hmm? Hmm? I know he came into Jerusalem on a donkey. Is that right? Yeah. Apparently, Jesus had nice clothes because... You know, the argument could be made that they were shooting dice for his garments when they crucified him. But be that as it may, I can't find where Jesus ever talked about the quality of his clothes. Can you? 
Jesus had a house. He had a headquarters. A lot of people think that he didn't, but he did. Read the Bible. I don't ever see where Jesus is talking about the quality of his house. Though I'm sure it was, it was a nice house. Nothing wrong with having money. It's wrong when money has you. And I understand. You need, it takes money to preach the gospel. I understand that. But when Christians, ministers, whatever the case, stand and talk about these things, I, I think, well, I don't, don't think, I, I, I know that some leaven has gotten in. I said some leaven has gotten in. I said some leaven has gotten in. Nothing wrong with having these wonderful things. Joyce Meyer has a nice jet. I've never heard her stand in front of the mass crowds and talk about it. Isn't that wonderful? It's a good, it's a good thing. She, does, she doesn't put emphasis on that. She keeps the emphasis where it's supposed to be, on Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? See, we need to be very watchful about leaven getting in, and it gets in so subtly. I believe in financial blessing. God's blessed me financially. But you don't emphasize it. Can anybody say amen? If you can't say amen to that, check up and see if some leaven's gotten in you somewhere. Abraham was rich, wasn't he? No. I don't see him emphasizing that. Did the Apostle Paul have faith? Yeah. Check up and see how he traveled around. (laughs) They had ships in those days, but he didn't have his own yacht, did he? No. No. I wonder if some leaven has gotten in somewhere. The leaven of Herod. Materialism. You see, Herod sought for power and greatness through the power of material things. The great preacher Billy Sunday said this. He said on materialism, he said, Wealth is not the standard of worth. Some people put cash before character. George Washington Carver said, We have become 99% money mad. The method of living at home modestly and within our income, laying a little by systematically for the proverbial rainy day which is due to come can almost be listed among the lost arts. How many of you know you ought to make all you can, you ought to save all you can, you ought to give all you can? Is that right? Nothing wrong with saving. Somebody said, well, if, you, if you're saving for a rainy day, then you're not a person of faith because a person of faith is never going to have any rainy days. Well, again, the Apostle Paul was a person of faith and he had some rainy days. God is known as Jehovah Jireh. He sees ahead and makes a provision. The crises of life come to us all. And there will be some rainy days. I don't care how much faith you have, but you get ready for them before they show up. Did you hear what I said? 
Beware of the leaven of Herod. Materialism. And then secondly, Herod regarded civil law, but not moral law. Listen carefully now. We're talking about has some leaven gotten in into you? Has some leaven gotten into the church? Listen. Herod, Jesus warned about this. Herod regarded civil law, but not moral law. Civil law he regarded, but not moral law. And let me give you some examples. Taking care of your elderly parents. Let's use that one. There's no civil law that I can see that says you have to do that. So if your elderly parents were left unprovided for and you did nothing, you wouldn't go to jail for that. But would that be violating God's moral law which says we ought to look after our elderly parents? So is it possible that you could not violate civil law but yet violate God's moral law? Yeah, let's talk about abortion for just a moment. Now, here in the United States, can a woman go have an abortion legally and not go to prison for it? Because it's not against the civil law. But is that against God's moral law? Yeah. I think a lot of times Christians, they they think about this. They, They think, well, I'm not violating the law of the land, so it must be okay. Not necessarily so. You can do things that don't violate the law of the land, but yet you violate God's moral law. Let's talk about another one, same-sex marriages. I don't know if you've noticed, but it looks to me like the way this nation is moving, it won't be long before same-sex marriages will be legal in all 50 states. So same-sex marriages, in the process of time here in the United States, it looks like it's going to be totally legal. So a man could marry a man, a woman could marry a woman, and it wouldn't be against the law civilly. But is that violating God's moral law? Yes, because God's moral law is a man and a woman as what? Husband and wife. Anything outside of that is sinful. So we need to beware of this. Leaven of Herod. This civil law versus moral law. Now here's another one. It's interesting, every time I've got on this one, over the, over the many years, it seems like a lot of Christians want to shout me down on it, but if you're going to be a man of God, you don't seek the popularity of man, you say what God wants you to say. But let's talk for just a moment about R-rated movies. R-rated movies. Let's talk about, now I realize there's an exception here or there, but most of the time, I'd say about 99% of the time, R-rated movies, Christians have no business going to see those things. Fifty Shades of Grey, dear friends, Christians don't go see that. Dear friends, Christians don't go see that. Dear friends... Christians don't go see that. Now, I repeated myself three times. Did you get it? 
the American sniper. Dear friends, Christians, don't go see that. Why? Because it's full of foul language. The name of the Lord is taken in vain on many occasions in there. Christians don't go see that. Yeah, but I can go see that and it's not against the law. No, it's not against the civil law, but it's against moral law. Can you sit there and listen to the names? Can you sit there and listen to the name of the Lord be taken in vain time after time and it doesn't bother you? Check up and see if some of this leaven of Herod hasn't gotten into you. Can you sit there and, and listen to them take the name of the Lord in vain one time after the next and it doesn't bother you? Foul words, four-letter words flying around left and right. It doesn't bother you? Some Christian said one time, said, uh, I don't cuss, but I go to R-rated movies. What he just told me, he said... He doesn't cuss, but he goes to the movies and he pays somebody else to do his cussing for him. Has the leaven of Herod gotten into you? Christians don't go see things like that. I'm not even talking about the content of the American sniper. I I, I don't even know that much about the content of it. But all you have to do, do is go to the plugged in. I think it's a focus on the family website. And check it out. You ought to check movies out before you go see them. See what's in them. And movies that don't line up with the Scripture, don't line up with the Word of God, don't line up with God's moral law, you just don't go see them. And if Christians had stopped going to see a lot of this stuff, you'd, you'd see how fast that they'd start making movies that didn't have foul language in it and taking the name of the Lord in vain. Has some of the leaven of Herod gotten into you? As I close, listen to this. Some quotes on morality. Francis Schaeffer said, Modern man has not only thrown away Christian theology, he has thrown away the possibility of what our forefathers had as a basis for morality and law. But I really want you to listen to this last one because I think it's perhaps the best quote we've had today. I usually don't have a lot of quotes, but I I have had some today. General Douglas MacArthur, listen to what he said. And it's right where the United States is right now. Listen carefully. History fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral decay have not passed into political and economic decline. There has been either a spiritual awakening to overcome the moral lapse or a progressive deterioration leading to ultimate national disaster. That's right where the United States is. I want, I, it's so important. I'm going to say it again. I want you to get it. History fa- now, this is General Douglas MacArthur. History fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral decay. Have you seen any moral decay going on in the United States? In which nations subject to moral decay have not passed into political 
and economic decline. There has either been a spiritual awakening, a revival, if you will, to overcome the moral lapse, or a progressive deterioration leading to ultimate national disaster. And that's right where we are as a nation. And it's the church's fault. It's the fault of the pulpit. The answer does not sit in the Oval Office. The answer is in the pulpits of this nation. Did you hear what I just said? And so there's either going to be a revival and a spiritual awakening and a getting back to the Lord. Or there'll be the judgment of God which is pending on this nation. What is the central truth of this parable of the leaven? Did you get anything out of it today? Did you, did you learn anything? So there, there was two views of the leaven. A good view of the gospel spreading through the earth. Or the negative view where the, the, the sin was spreading into the church. Is that right? And then there was how many types of leaven? Three. One was the Pharisees, which was hypocrisy. The second was the Sadducees. Right? Where everything's just dead. And, and then the third was... Herod. Now what did that have to do? Materialism and morality. Is that right? And so either the gospel is going to go into the world and affect it for good. Or the world is going to get into the church and affect it for evil. And that's the central truth. Listen carefully because I'm done right after this. That's the central truth of this parable of the leaven. That's the central truth of this parable of the leaven. Get this if you're a note taker. Either the church will get into the world and affect it for good, or the world will get into the church and affect it for evil. I want to say that again. Either the church will get into the world and affect it for good, or the world will get into the church and affect it for evil. Did you get that? I want to say it one more time. Either the church will get into the world and affect it for good, or the world will get into the church and affect it for evil. And sad to say, here in the United States, that second one seems to be more prevalent than the first. It seems as though so many churches have allowed the world to get in them. I don't know about you, but when when you walk into a church, you ought to know you've walked into someplace special. When you walk into a church, you ought to know that you've walked into someplace different. When you walk into a church, you shouldn't be wondering, well, did I walk into a church here or did I just come into a nightclub? When you walk into a church, you shouldn't be saying, well, well, well did, 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 I, did I just walk into church or did I come into a Walmart? How many of you know there ought to be a difference between the house of God and these other things? Is that right? Because of the presence of God. Now, I'm not talking about pews or chairs, that kind of thing. I'm talking about, really, I'd say the presence of God. See, the presence of God should be, should be permeating the atmosphere of a church. And that when you walk into the church, you shouldn't be wondering, did I come into a nightclub? Did I come into a bar? Did I come into a, a bowling? No, no, no. When you walk into the house of God, you ought to sense the presence of God. You ought to sense the presence of the Holy Ghost. You ought to sense the healing power of God. You ought to sense the fire of the Holy Ghost. Can anybody say amen? Oh, yeah. You ought to sense, sense, sense the love of God. And the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. A church should be a place where everyone is welcome. But no one should feel comfortable until their life is right with the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear what I just said? But when you walk into the house of God, you should know 
that you've walked into some place different. You've walked into a place. Listen to me. You've walked into a place where there's help. You've walked into a place where there's help. You've walked into a place where there's help. Let me tell you something right now. There was a time when some people... I'm thinking of this man, he brought his son to the disciples of the Lord. And remember in that one instance, they could not help him. Remember that? How many remembers that? But, but, but Jesus was up on the mountain praying, glory to God. And he came down and even though the disciples couldn't help him, maybe they let some leaven get in him and they couldn't help the, 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 the boys, the, the man's boy, the man's son. But aren't you glad to know that Jesus came down from the mountain and he was able to help the boy and get him set free? Amen. So when you walk into the house of God, see, when you walk into a nightclub, there's no help for, for, for what you need. The only thing a nightclub can do for you is just, is just maybe drown your troubles for just, just a, little, a little while. But you know what? You have to leave that nightclub at a certain point. And, and those troubles that you left at the door, they're going to still be there when, when, when you walk out. Is that right? But when you come into the house of God, you should encounter the resurrected living Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's got help for you. And He can take those problems that you have and he can deal with them and he can help you with them so that when you leave the church you leave better than when you came can you say amen see that's what the house of God is all about finding help for whatever it is you need is that right so I want to warn you as Jesus warned warn all of us let's be cautious of the leaven of the Pharisees the leaven of the Sadducees and the leaven of Herod and let's be a church, let's be a Christian, let's be a, 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 a preacher. Let's be, let's be people who we go out and affect the world for good. Let's don't let the world get in us and become like them. Did you hear what I just said? Stand with me if you would. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Brother David's going to go up and close with two songs. But before he does, as he makes his way up there, but before he begins to sing. Again, I want to encourage you, on your way out, stop by his table and buy some of his CDs. It's really good. The anointing's on it, and it'll bless you. Praise God. So buy, buy those CDs on your way out. It'll be a blessing to him, and it'll be a blessing to yourself. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Before he sings... I want you to listen carefully. First of all, if you're here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never simply repented of your sins. That just means you've had a change of heart. You've, turned, you know, you've never turned from your old lifestyle and you've never turned to God. You've never received Jesus. You've never asked Him to come into your heart. You've never, never truly done that. You need to do that before you leave today. If my altar workers would come forward and stand up here, please, I'd appreciate it if you would, right before Brother David sings and closes. If you're here today, even as he sings, after he's done singing, it doesn't matter when you do it, but, it, but, but it's important that you do it. Before you leave here today, if you don't know Jesus, you've never had a no-so experience with the Lord. You don't know that you are to die today if you'd go to heaven or hell. You don't have a clue. Listen, that's not a good place to be. But you, you, you can have a no-so experience. All you have to do is, while he's singing or after he's done singing, there'll be some people up here. All you got to do is walk up here to the front. 
and just get with one of these people and say, hey, I, I, I want to receive Jesus. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. And they'll, they'll pray with you. They'll help you and they'll pray with you. And just in a moment's time, you can, you, can, you can receive Jesus. You can get born again. You can become a Christian. You can become a child of God. Miss hell and make heaven. And not only that, he'll make your life worth living. So do that before you leave today. Maybe you're here today and, and maybe you were close with the Lord at one time, but you've slipped away from him and you'd like to get back with him today. Today would be the day to do it. Maybe uh, you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. You can, you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. These people up here will pray with you for that. Maybe you need healing in your body. Jesus is still in the healing business. All you've got to do is walk forward and they'll, they'll pray with you. They'll release the power of God into your body. And that, that power of God will heal you and help you. God's still in the healing business. Maybe you just need somebody to talk to or pray about some other matter. Well, that's why these people are up here. God has them up here for you. So while he sings, if you need to come forward... You do so while while he's singing or after he's done. Doesn't